thank you for downloading this podcast from Gaimere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, gaimerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen. Good morning. Today's Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making this appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is God's word. Hello. My name is Jodine and my role here at GBC is the Associate Pastor for Mission and Evangelism. And it's great to have you here and also welcome to those listening to the podcast wherever you are on planet Earth. It's great to have you along for the ride. This particular verse that we've looked at as uh, part of a letter that Paul wrote to the emerging church at Corinth, and it was about 25 to 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And some suggest that the approximate size of this church could have been anywhere from around 40 people to 150 people. And the Corinthian church was radically diverse collection of people for its time. Both men and women were involved Romans, Greeks, and Jews, and potentially travelers that came to this church because it was a port city. It included wealthy and poor people, those of noble birth and those that were powerful or some that were on the edges of society. It embraced those that had come from an array of different religious backgrounds into the family of God through Jesus. And through this letter to the Corinthians, You can hear that they are navigating their differences to each other and working out how do they do this new thing of faith now that they're new creations that are reconciled to God through Jesus. There are, however, arguments, divisions, fights in churches. Who would have thought? They have questions over what type of behavior to engage in or not. And as they are working out how to do their faith together as a church, they are also working out what it looks like to the wider community around them. And in spite of being a bit of a bumbling hot mess, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul actually commissions them into the ministry of reconciliation on behalf of God and describes them as ambassadors for Jesus. That's probably not the job title or promotion that I would be suggesting for these people at their early stages of faith. But when you look at God's perspective of reconciliation, it literally means to exchange or to bring about a changed relationship. God initiates an intentional move towards humanity to pursue them and make those that are his enemies, his friends, whether they recognize it or not. He sees the problem, he brings about the action, he brings about the solution at his cost. And more than that, If you've experienced this reconciled relationship to God, hey, hey, welcome to the team. You're now an ambassador for Jesus. That escalated quickly. (laughs) 
but it just oozes God's excessive and lavish nature. While you think that reconciling humanity to himself would be sufficient enough, he then wholeheartedly entrusts and releases those he has reconciled as ambassadors. Who does that? God, apparently. And this was such a different scheme of dealing with the divine than what these Corinthians would have been used to. In the ancient world, it was humans pandering to their disinterested gods, trying to appease their erratic demands and system of fear with costly sacrifices and superstition. But here was God reaching out to humanity, not counting people's sins against them, but welcoming them wholeheartedly at his invitation and his expense. And becoming ambassadors, ambassadors of reconciliation is not just something specifically for the Corinthians, but something that extends throughout the whole body of Christ throughout the ages. Like Mark has talked about over the past few weeks in this series, a fruitful church is one that multiplies. It's marked by the quality of disciples that it nurtures. It's open-handed with its generosity, and it's one that's releasing everyone's gifts and abilities. We looked at the parable in Mark chapter four and we saw that Jesus wasn't the best gardener because he was just chucking seed everywhere. He was generous how he scattered the message of God. He was putting it amongst the weeds and rocky places, places that we wouldn't think of planting things. And based on this, I don't think Jesus would get a job at the garden section at Bunnings. But God's pursuit to reconcile himself to people is recklessly passionate. It goes beyond logic and the world's best gardening practices. But this is the foundation of reconciliation that invites and welcomes in people from all different places that you wouldn't expect. When you think about the Bible and the biblical narrative, a word that I think would sum up the people that are involved in that story is unlikely. They are not who we would assume would fulfill the divine and holy purposes of the almighty God. Paul wrote this particular letter to the Corinthians only several years earlier. He was actually called Saul. And it was from the book of Acts that we can see that he was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He was trying to destroy the church and if he found any men or women that belonged to the way or following Jesus, he would put them in prison. Hmm, Saul of Tarsus. How can we reconcile him to God and make him an ambassador for Jesus? Hmm, I know. Let's make him an apostle to the Gentiles and send him out with the movement of Jesus around the globe. Brilliant. That'll work. Who does that? He's the last person that you would expect God to redeem. And God continues on to welcome and release the people that we probably would have picked last on the school sports team. Moses killed a guy and had some kind of speech impediment. Rahab was a prostitute. Samson was a hustler and a player. Jephthah was the son of a prostitute that was ostracized by his family. He hung out with scoundrels and vowed the unthinkable. Gideon was a nervous wreck and was afraid and David was a manipulative adulterer. Yet, in spite of their failures and their wonky journeys of faith, 
God used these people in incredible ways. And they are all named in the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Who does that? And then we come to Jesus himself. He's prophetically described in Isaiah chapter 53 as someone who has no beauty or majesty. There's nothing that attracts us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And it goes on to say that he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, which shows why it's easy for him to identify with the outcast. And one of the biggest complaints that the religious elites of the day had with Jesus is that he welcomes sinners and eats with them. And he becomes friends of sinners. The religious leaders were losing their minds over Jesus' insistence on befriending and welcoming those that they judged as sinners and who didn't live up to their, well, clearly far more superior religious standards. And there was Jesus, saviour of the world, just hanging out over meals, taking time to talk to those people that religion and society had rejected. But when we consider Jesus, if he is an initiator of reconciliation, aren't his actions just reflecting the welcoming heart of God? It's funny that whenever the religious people accuse Jesus of hanging out with sinners, he never actually defends himself or his beliefs. But his response is about why he extends the opportunity for reconciliation to all. Just before I applied for this role as pastor here at GBC, I was really seeking God's guidance on where he wanted me to be and who he wanted me to extend his kingdom welcome to because I could sense a change was coming. And through a friend, I had had an opportunity to go and help and hang out with some people. Sounds like some good Christian fun, right? But according to some religious groups, these people that I would be serving were massive sinners. In the past, religious groups had only offered hate and refused to engage with them. The message that these people received from various religious groups is that they are not welcome and there is no offer of reconciliation from God available to them. And as I reflected on Jesus' actions in the Gospels and who he embraced, there was no reason for me to reject them. So I went to this particular event and not to partake of what was going on, but just to be an ambassador. And I met lots of people there. And when they asked me where I worked, which was at Christian Surfers at the time, they could not believe it. They didn't know what to do, because according to every message that they'd ever received, Christians do not welcome or befriend sinners like them. I assisted them with their event. I had great conversations with many of them. I helped them clean and pack up. And they were just flabbergasted. And it really opened opened my eyes to how incredibly open and gracious they are to God and those that are on the edges of society. But then several weeks later, as I started going through this process for applying for the role as pastor here, I freaked out. (laughs) Because what if the people at the church found out that I'd been hanging out with sinners? (laughs) I don't know what this church is like. I don't know what is culturally appropriate or not. They might not think it's very pastor-like. And I had to go back to the Gospels to focus on Jesus and reconcile myself to that. 
and resolved that if this church didn't welcome everyone, then maybe I better not be part of it either. I think some of the tension in representing our faith these days is that Christianity has historically been fused with the cultural center of society. So it was the overriding norm and default position. But that has changed and Christianity is becoming less culturally powerful. It's starting to look more like Jesus' day where it's on the fringes of society. And our culture over the past several decades has also been enamored with intellectual reasoning. And the standard method of sharing faith has focused around arguing how right your viewpoint is and therefore how wrong everyone else is. But when we try to win an argument, we fail to be an ambassador that welcomes and engages people with the spirit of reconciliation. I know for me personally, I am rarely inspired with a sense of spiritual growth when people have judged me. I don't know how it is for you. And if we are gardeners aiming to cultivate a fruitful church, are we plowing a welcoming environment that extends God's hand of reconciliation, that allows people to flourish as they explore faith? Or have we reached for the pitchfork ready to defend our patch? I think it's an important thing to look at culture around us. And Jesus was always acutely aware of the social practices and cultural norms that he was interacting with. And it can help us to better engage with our community. In the recently published Faith and Belief in Australia, produced by McCrindle Research, it found that two thirds of Australians, which is around 68%, currently follow a religion or have spiritual beliefs. And of that 68%, 45% identify as Christian. The areas that are increasing are those that identify as spiritual but not religious at around 14%. And those that ascribe to no religion has increased to about one in three Australians at 32%, which has grown steadily over the past 50 years. And while that might suggest that people are just off it, when you look at Australian attitudes towards Christianity, the thing that we can actually learn is that people are in very different places as far as faith. And a lot of people sit in the middle of the road and are quite open to it. I think if we were all to compare our own spiritual journeys, we'd all be at different places and all have different timelines and different needs. But in light of this, the thing that will help us become a fruitful church is being okay with that. That people are always welcomed and invited regardless of where they are spiritually, emotionally, or ideologically. A welcoming environment that is conducive to growing the seeds of faith that Jesus is just chucking out there in whoever they may land in and however unlikely they may be. I think we really need to ask ourselves, Am I someone that is welcoming of others? Do I not count people's sins or perceived failings against them? Do my attitudes and behaviours and words and actions speak to the boundless possibility of reconciliation for all? Because it's going to be a very different future ahead for us as a church. From a global perspective, in the past decade or so, the momentum of Christianity has moved from Western nations to Asia and South America. 
And on a local level, there are some really interesting things about the Shire as compared to Australia. Statistically, according to our last census, which was back in 2011, because we haven't got the results for the, the last one just yet, we have a higher rate of Anglo-Saxon heritage shown in red as compared to the rest of Australia shown in grey, which experiences so much more multiculturalism in urban areas. 77% of people in the Shire nominate themselves as religious, and 75% of that is attributed to some form of Christianity, with Catholic and Anglican being the most likely option. So statistically, there is more likelihood of people having a similar ethnic background and religious background here. And statistically, we're less likely to encounter people that are wildly different to us from a background perspective. I wonder what the census results, which are due out in a few weeks' time, will actually reveal about where we are now. Because just across the bridge, about 20 minutes in that direction, is Nawi Baptist Church. And they now have a thriving Chinese ministry with a service in Mandarin at 2 p.m. every Sunday. In the near future, the new South Village development at the Brick Pit at Kirawee will be opening. It has 749 brand new apartments with the potential for well over 1,000 new residents. It has a shopping precinct with two supermarkets. And guess who is the closest church at just over one kilometre away? You're sitting in it. Are we going to be ready for that? Are we going to be open and welcome to the diversity of people that this will bring? Are we ready for the varying ideologies, practices and perspectives and maybe traffic jams that are going to happen when these people arrive? And are we going to be okay with that? A fruitful church is one where everyone is welcome, which energises our mission that everywhere we go and in everything we do, we will invite everyone to follow Jesus. And it's not just up to our wonderful welcome and integration team to invest in developing our welcoming culture as a church. It's something that has been given to all of us as ambassadors and everywhere we go beyond these church walls. It's about us getting stretched outside our comfort zone to welcome and include others. And it starts to give you an idea of the challenge that God has, not only to reconcile humanity, but to reconcile each of us as well. And I think it's the moment that our faith truly grows and strengthens. To be welcoming can just be simple things like smiling. It's such a lost art today. People are so busy and running around doing tasks, they just have constant resting angry face. So bust open and smile and see what it destroys out there. Saying hello. Hello. Taking the risk to introduce yourself, asking questions about their life, hearing the views and faith and beliefs and experiences of Jesus that they've had with no prejudice. And I think one of the best questions that we can ask of people that are different to us is, help me understand your background. Help me understand your perspective. Help me understand your story. And you know what's often surprising about that? is that you'll find God is richly at work in their life already. You'll see the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit all over these people, and it's often just a case of us paying attention, listening, and pausing for a moment. 
many weeks, over the last several months, I've actually managed to meet new people here at GBC. And not just new people because I'm new, but new people that have never been here before or in their early weeks of being part of GBC. It's already happening. Do we see it? I love the late South African theologian and missiologist David Bosch's thoughts on the mission of the church. And he says that the church needs to cross frontiers. There must be some crossing of barriers, whether linguistic, economic, uh, cultural, or religious. And there must be some communication of the message of Christ. It's very easy for us to affirm and continue what we've always done, whatever we're good at, or whatever we feel comfortable with. But crossing that divide and breaking down those barriers is part of the DNA of reconciliation. It's the nature of God to reach out and engage with others, to welcome them and invite them into relationship with him. Some people do that overseas, like we heard about the missionaries earlier this morning. And some of us just need to walk outside and go across the street. It's funny, I don't know if you guys have done much travel, but if you travel around Australia or across the world, the thing that often breaks or makes someone's experience is how welcoming the local people were. And in different cultures, they're known specifically for how they welcome people to their country. Our beautiful Aboriginal brothers and sisters here have an amazing welcome to country. And if you've ever had the privilege of experience one, it's fantastic. I have a Maori background, so when I'm in New Zealand, they're welcoming us in a traditional manner, and there's lots of yelling and screaming and doing huckers and pulling faces. It doesn't look like they're having a good time, or they want us to be there, and they're pressing noses, but it's all good. It's the way that they welcome. And if you've travelled abroad, you've probably seen that different cultures have a different traditional way of welcoming people to them. I've had the privilege to travel across many parts of the globe and be part of different expressions of church. And some were pretty wild and out there, and some were a little underwhelming. But there was one church that completely stood out. The people were so warm and generous. I was in the car park and I could barely get out of the car without these people talking to me and asking who I was and where I was from and what was my story. I walked in the doors and I'm literally beating people off me because they were genuinely interested to hear about my story. And it wasn't just the cheesy kind of Christian, oh, look, I'm rostered on to be nice to you. They authentically and genuinely wanted to know me. I could see it in their eyes and feel it from the warmth from them. And there were people that took me under their wing to make sure I was comfortable and connected to what was going on, even though it was all very foreign to me. The people really trusted each other and they worked together, exactly like the body that you hear Paul talk about in Corinthians. Nothing was too much trouble for any of them. Never had I seen a church that was so welcoming that I wanted to come back there. And they had some wild and freaky people, don't get me wrong, but it didn't rattle them because their understanding of their own reconciliation in Jesus was so confident, was so deep and so assured that they were compelled by the love of Christ that they had experienced. And to them, it was a travesty that they should dare limit anyone else's invitation towards God. There was no sense of, I'll just stick to people of my age or people of my life stage. It was multi-generational and multicultural. It was the most vivid image that I'd seen of the family of God this side of heaven. It was amazing. 
If you get the chance and you want to have a look at their website, get your pencil or grab your phone, and I'll give you the website to have a look. It's www.guymerebaptist.org.au. What's to stop us from becoming a church that transcends all barriers and extends a welcoming culture like never before? A church that rises to the challenges of the possibilities of the future ahead, that navigates unknown territory with a spirit of unity, and cheers and releases on the next generations as they become ambassadors of reconciliation. What a reality that dream could be as an expression of us as the body of Christ here at GBC. Mark Rader, our senior pastor, spoke at our vision dinner back in February about how we are in a season of creating new wineskins for the new wine that is coming in the future ahead. And a part of it was about right-sizing our systems for the size of our church, with our processes, systems, governance, and strategy being the things that we're working on. And they're slowly taking shape, which will unleash our purpose and potential for what God has in store for us in the future. And I recognise that this stuff isn't necessarily easy. But I'm in. Are you with me? Are you with us as we work out what this looks like? And more than us being committed just to this church, let's be committed to God and his purposes for us for the future. If it's your first time here to GBC, welcome. If you're exploring faith, please know you are welcome. You are so welcomed by God. Perhaps you need to experience that reconciliation today. It's available to you. We're all experiencing it. And God is so willing to take you on board that he wants to take you and make you his ambassador. Wherever you're at, God's okay with that. And so are we. For the rest of us, let us consider how do we represent Jesus as his ambassadors of reconciliation? Are we welcoming those that are around us in the same way that God has welcomed us into his kingdom? Or are there barriers that we need to break down and let God reconcile us to him so that we can rediscover who we are as his ambassadors? In a moment, as is our custom, we're going to respond in worship and prayer. And the prayer team will be coming up to the front. So if you would like someone to pray for you or with you, please come forward and commit those things to God. So let's take a moment as the body of Christ united to pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you have reconciled yourself to us, that we were once your enemies and that you have made us your friends. Lord, I pray that you would give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear people as your friends, as those that are fully welcomed into your kingdom with a spirit of reconciliation. Lord, if we hold barriers or standards in our heart that don't permit others to welcome, Lord, please break those down in us and reconcile us to you first. And let us go with your great love that we could love, serve, and welcome others into your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.